The title of my homily this morning is John the Baptist, Part 2. I've never given a title of my homilies ever, but I thought I'd start today. John the Baptist, Part 2. The reason being, last weekend we were introduced John the Baptist, the great Advent figure. So last week, John the Baptist, Part 1. This week, John the Baptist, Part 2. So last week, in our introduction to this great Advent figure, we were told that John the Baptist was baptizing with water for repentance, and that he said, one who is mightier than he is coming after him. He said that there would be somebody coming after him that's mightier than he is. And today, we're, of course, reminded, and we should know, who that is. It's his cousin. It's Jesus. So last week, we were told that Jesus would come after John the Baptist. Now, in today, John the Baptist Part 2, at the very beginning, we're informed that John the Baptist is no longer at the River Jordan. He is no longer baptizing. He is no longer preaching repentance. Why? Because he's in jail. He's in prison for having held Herod accountable for his marital situation. And John the Baptist is now sitting in jail, and he tells his disciples, go to Jesus and ask him, are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? Essentially, John the Baptist is telling his own disciples, go and ask my cousin if he is the Messiah. Now, we should be then saying, if anyone should know that Jesus is the Messiah, it should be John the Baptist. Like, why is he sitting in prison wondering, is he the one? From the moment John the Baptist was in his mother Elizabeth's womb, remember the visitation when Mary showed up shortly after she conceived Jesus in her own womb? What did John the Baptist do? He leapt for joy at the presence of the Messiah. So from the time he was in the womb, John the Baptist has known Jesus is the one. His entire ministry has been preparing for the coming of the Messiah by calling the people of Israel to repentance. If anyone should know Jesus is it, it's John the Baptist. And now he's sitting in prison saying, go and ask him if he's the one. Now, there's a lot of ways to maybe run with this and interpret it. A friend helped me see this yesterday. Could it be possible that the reason John the Baptist is sending his disciples to find out if Jesus is the one is because John the Baptist knew that the end was near for him. He knew the sword was near for him. And he knew that his own disciples might have thought that he was the Messiah. Because remember, there was a strong push thinking that John the Baptist is the Christ. So could it be that John the Baptist wanted to make sure that his own friends, his own followers, his own disciples were following the right Messiah? So they go to Jesus. And rather than just saying, tell John the Baptist, yes, I'm the one. What does John the Baptist say? Excuse me, what does Jesus say? Jesus says, go and tell John what you see and hear. Tell him that the blind are regaining their sight. Tell him that the lame are walking. Tell him that the lepers are being cleansed. Tell him that the deaf are hearing, the dead are being raised, and the poor are having the good news proclaimed to them. Tell John the Baptist what you see and hear through my ministry. Now, that of course points everyone to what? To the first reading 700 years before Jesus, when the prophet Isaiah said to the people of Israel, 
The day will come. The day will come. I did it again. I lost my page. This happened last night, too. Unbelievable. I didn't even try that. What's the date? The 11th. There we go. Okay. Go and tell. Bookmark there. So Isaiah. Okay. Regain myself. Isaiah. 700 BC says to the people of Israel that the day will come when eyes of the blind will be opened, ears of the deaf will be cleared, the lame will leap like a stag, the tongue of the mute will sing. God was telling Israel that that day will come when those things happen. And now what does Jesus say? Go and tell John what you see and hear. All these things are happening. The, blight are, the blind are seen, the lame are walking, lepers are being cleansed. And I know, brothers and sisters, that when we hear this, oftentimes we say, oh, if only. Right? Oh, if only we could see these things. Oh, if only these things would happen in our own lives, in our own nation, in our own families. And I say to you, they are. These things happen all the time. The question becomes, who are the blind, who are the lame, who are the deaf, who are the dead, who are the poor? I hope we know that it's us. It's you and it's me. This is who Jesus came for. That we are the blind, the deaf, the dead, the poor, the crippled, and the lame. And God bless you if you're not. But for those of us who need a savior, Jesus says, I'm here for you. I have come for you. From the foundation of the world, I have been preparing to heal your heart. And that's what these days of Advent are for. They're for us to prepare to be healed, where those places are our places. You know, this third Sunday of Advent is called Gaudete Sunday, Rejoicing Sunday. Why is it that the church calls us to rejoice? because of the Savior that is given to us. We rejoice again and again and again because this is us. Jesus has come into these places for us. And so how do we make sure that happens right here? By making room, by begging him to come, by acknowledging those places where we're blind and deaf, where we're mute, where we're crippled, where we're lame, where we're poor. If we simply acknowledge those places, Jesus comes bursting in with his care, with his salvation, with his presence. That's what these days are about. And what do we say because of that? Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I shall say it again. Rejoice.